looked last week, we looked last week in Second Kings chapter two, and we'll, we'll go there again. But we started off in Ecclesiastes one, and verse nine, because that says that the thing that has been is the thing that will be, and there's nothing new under the sun. If it's new, it's a lie. Nothing new under the sun. And then we looked at, you know, David being betrayed by his best friend, Ahithophel, and Jesus being betrayed by his associate, Judas. The interesting thing about Jesus, too, is like, I remember one time we were in this, at this pastor's conference, not one that we would normally go to, but we were there, and uh, they would come up and ask you how many people you had in your church. And so if you said 100 or less, they'd walk away. Right. If they walked up to Jesus, he'd say 12, and one of them's a thief. <laughs> you know, that's just the way people are. But now, how to get off of that? Okay, the thing that has been is the thing that shall be. We had a big rainstorm the other, yesterday. Did you notice? The roads are dry this morning. And, you know, the lakes, the rivers fill up and they run down to the sea, and then. The, sea, the sun comes out, evaporates the water, goes up, and, and the whole cycle keeps going again because everything God does is in cycles. The solar system, your life. That's why if you keep going around the mountain for 40 years and run into the same thing, it's because you need to change something. Something that you're doing is keeping... Why does this keep happening to me? Well, that could be why right there. <laughs> Because that's what you're saying. The you know, Bible says I can have what I say. Right? Yeah, you can have what you say. You can, Mark 11, 23 and 24. Whoever will say to this mountain, whoever will say to this circumstance, be thou removed. How long will it take? Well, he said, I'll make you into a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth. You'll thresh the mountains and beat them small and turn the hills to chaff. The wind will carry them, the whirlwind will scatter them, and you'll rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. You keep speaking to whatever you're speaking to because it will, it has to, it has to. You, you know, in, in life and death are in the power of your tongue, not in the power of God. He put the power in your tongue. He said, only by your words, Mark 12, he said, Matthew 12, rather, he said, only by your words, only, the only way, he said, only by your words will you be justified, and only by your words will you be condemned. What a serious statement that is. You mean to tell me it's my big mouth? You mean to tell me that the most unruly member in the church is under my tongue, or under my nose, rather? See, if you can get a hold of that, then you can get the peace in your heart. Come on, Paul the Apostle said in Philippians 4.11, he said, I have learned. He said, you got to learn this. He said, you got to learn how to be content. You need to learn how to be at peace no matter where you are. And the only way that comes is through trust in him. I trust you, Lord. Say this with me. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I love you. He said, you're not my problem. I'm my only problem. I'm my only problem. People around me are not my problem. It's the one in the mirror. <laughs> if I can fix the one in the mirror, 
Because his kingdom, you know, he, he said it this way in Romans 14, 17, he said, my kingdom is not a natural thing. It's not uh, something that you experience in the natural, not based on feelings. But he said, it's righteousness in the Holy Ghost, peace in the Holy Ghost, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He said, you'll experience my kingdom when you begin to walk in the fact that I made you righteous. He, God, made him to be sin who knew no sin, that you'd be the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Peace. He said, you'll have perfect peace when your mind is stayed upon me. That's Isaiah 12, 3. He said, I'll keep you in perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. When you keep yourself focused on me, you want to focus on the world, fear will come. And then you're going to, you're going to come and pray for somebody else and and pray that God will give them peace, and all that's coming out of your heart is fear. Because that's all you have. And so you pass it on to other people. That's why lots of times people pray so long and accomplish nothing. If there's, not, if there's no faith in it, why don't you just save your breath? Say, I need to save my breath. If you're not praying the Word, then you're praying the world. If you're not worrying the Word, you're worrying the world. Come on, worry the word from time to time. Just take the word out and begin to worry about it. Oh, God. You said if you'd supply all my needs according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You said that by your stripes I'm healed and made whole. Hallelujah. It might not look like it. might not feel like it. Where, where do feelings ever come in there anyway? They don't. The just shall live by feelings. No. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by Believe in God in spite of the circumstance. Amen. Well, we're going to open up our Bible somewhere here today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Well, let me tell you a story about a big yellow truck first. Because, you know, sometimes people will put out a fleece. Have you ever heard of telling anybody putting out a fleece? Like they did in the Old Testament. But when you do, you get fleeced. Because you're looking to, at, to watch God do something in the sense realm. But he said, you're going to be led by my spirit, right? But anyway, so this story was not about a fleece. This story was Nancy had a surgery last week, and nobody knew about it, but the inside of her mouth was full with stitches. And uh, a stitch in time saves nine. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> But anyway, um, so she was not able to eat. And uh, so Wednesday, Wednesday, we went and they took out the stitches Wednesday afternoon. And so Thursday, I decided I was going to take her down to the deck in Blanford. It's a nice, quiet little seafood restaurant there. You can get, you know, lobster rolls and seafood chowder and things like that. So we went down there. But it was risky because... Like, not only is the church moving next year, we're moving next month. This would be move number eight, I think, for us. We lived in seven different places. Move number eight's a number for new beginnings. So we're getting ready to move into a new place, a new beginning. Anyway, we needed a condo because I needed a garage, and so I'm getting one. Hallelujah. Any any man that knows you have a garage and then you go without one, it's not no fun. Anyway, so we're moving, and uh, so we had the moving company dropping off a bunch, a bunch of boxes and things that, you know, Nancy would pack all the wardrobe stuff before we leave. But they said, 
we'll give you an hour window and we'll call you and you'll have to be there when the truck arrives, the yellow truck. So we were in Blanford. But then we were on the way back home and here's the thing. They called. I said, we'll be there in 20 minutes. I wasn't preaching faith or anything. I wasn't even thinking about what I said. I said, we'll be there in 20 minutes. 20 minutes later, exactly 20 minutes later, they pulled in our parking lot and we pulled right in behind them. Nancy got out and ran up to them all excited. You'll never guess what just happened. They were looking at her like, what's wrong with you, lady? But we understood how many things had to happen to get us there at the exact same time. He does things exactly right. And when he moves us into our new church building, it's going to be exactly right for us. Now, now I, know that, I know that not everybody can be happy. Be happy. No, no, I, I've lived long enough, especially, especially praise and worship and stuff like that. I think we get the best praise and worship in, in Canada. But I also know that, I know that in Ezekiel chapter 28, it talks about how Satan was the praise and worship leader. And, he, what he, and so you stole, if you're praise and worship, you stole his job. Don't you get it? He hates that more than anything. He also knows that if you rejoice in the Lord always, and re, again I say rejoice, that your breakthroughs come. So he opposes all of those kind of things. And so, but I've noticed over the years that it's kind of like with praise and worship, only because I'm conscious of it right now, I could pick any other area of the church. You're not ever going to get it where everybody likes it. That place doesn't exist. Oh, it's too loud, it's too soft, it's too that fast, too slow. You know, that's, that's human. That's, that's the fallen nature. That's the Adam nature. The nature that you got from Jesus is Love is patient and kind and long-suffering and gentle and good and all of that stuff and pays no attention to a sufferer, a suffered wrong, or in Nancy's case, she tell, calls me a suffering wrong sometimes. <laughs> anyway, so what we're saying is we're going we're gonna to find the place that God has for us. And hopefully you'll be in agreement when we get there. And again, we're very, we're, we know where you live. And, you know, we're not getting a building for us. We're getting a building for you. And the good news is we don't need a building. God does. He got us the first one. He got us the second one. He's got us the third one. We moved eight or nine times. And every time, every single time, he was in it. And many times it was 1159. When Jesse DePlantis came over to 110 Thorn Avenue and opened up that new building in January, he put it in his magazine that he was coming to do a grand opening in our church. We didn't even have a building. And I had invited him to come, and the voice said, you're the biggest loser in Canada. And every, it's in his magazine now. Every pastor in Canada is going to know what kind of an idiot you are. Now, you might not have to go to sleep listening to that, but I did. It was real to me. It wasn't until March. He's coming. May the, or was it April? No, it was April. He was coming in April, and we found the building in March. And then it was a warehouse, an empty warehouse. 
Hallelujah. And, and in the middle of it all, I had to go to London, Ontario to my son's graduation and left Paul hanging, hanging, on, hanging, on, <laughs> hanging on a rope or something. I don't know. But anyway, the, the cool thing was when it opened, when it opened, there were 850 people in that building. And uh, I got a phone call from a guy, a pastor friend in Twin Falls, Idaho. He said, I know why you called me earlier. He said, you're wondering if you're going to have enough money to pay Jesse DePlantis. I said, yeah. He said, you're going to see the biggest offering you ever saw in your life when he's there because the man is anointed to raise money. And so we, we never did take up an offering. But the, the money that came in was over $30,000. It was like crazy. Um, but anyway, when, when he arrived, I went out to the airport and picked him up. When he arrived... The asphalt was still wet in the driveway. The paint, we had every door and window open so that the paint would dry on the walls. That's the way God will do you sometimes. Because great things are built under pressure. And the thing about a building is, it's about building a team. It's not about building a building. So people get out there and they work together. and they, you know, we, It's like God said, I'm, I'm, you're building a building, I'm building people. So he's interested in what you become, not what you accomplish. Hallelujah, because he loves you. He is forever in love with you. If you were the only one, he'd kiss you all over your face right now. Smack, 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 smack. He'd say, I love you. I'm not mad at you. I was mad at sin, and I put it on Jesus. You want to know what I, how bad I hate sin? Look what I did to my own son. He said, I've never changed my mind about sin. I just put it on somebody else. Ugh. Hallelujah. Where were we going, Pastor Paul? Oh. Oh, yes. Yeah. Second Kings chapter 2. Thank you. And the thing that I like to point out about Second Kings chapter 2 is every prophet in the land knew that Elijah was going to be lifted up off the earth. And you'll know before the rapture of the church when you're going. It won't be like, like they showed in the movies, like somebody flying a plane and then all of a sudden he leaves and left, leaves a whole, a whole plane full of people to kill themselves. Does that sound like the heart of God to you anyway? I'll just wipe them all out, man. No, I'm not willing, he said, that any should perish. He said, yeah, my wrath will come and my judgment will come upon the children of disobedience, but he said, I'm giving you, it's kind of like if you look at things, he walked around Jericho for six days. After being away from, after coming 40 years, he took another six days and walked around the place to give people the chance to repent. He walked around planet earth for 6,000 years before he comes back and the walls come falling down. But this time the kings of our world, of the world will become the kingdoms of our God. Hallelujah. There is a, there's a, there's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> He's coming into your house. He's coming for you. Anyway, so anyway, we looked at how they went from, you know, they started out in Gilgal and they went to Bethel and, and then uh, down to um, uh, Bethel. Hmm? Jericho, and then he ended up at Jordan. But the Jordan is significant because Jordan is a place of death. 
it's kind of like um, where you go to get water baptized, death and resurrection, where they crossed the Red Sea, they crossed over, and they were born again, but it wasn't until they crossed the Jordan that they were able to enter into the promises land, the promised land, because they had to die to their, come on, a whole generation had to die off so that they could go in. All the unbelief had to go. And then when they did, when they did get in, it wasn't like, if you were here now, then they had to go in and defeat giants. And so will you. But the thing is, you're going into a new place now. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. And the giant killer is living up on the inside of you. Hallelujah. So they crossed the Jordan. And then it says that, of course, Elisha said, I, I, I want a double portion of everything that you've got. John 14, 12 says, these work will you do in greater because I'm going to my father. The double portion's on, on you right now. You might not have experienced yet, but it's there right now. It's there right now. You've experienced te tests and trials and tribulations right now. But again, this is a new day. So, um, so they, they crossed the Jordan and went into the wilderness, into the plains of Moab, right? And there, there he watched Elijah go up, and he also watched Moses go up. If you read Jude verse 9, you'll find out that there's more going on there than that. Because in Matthew chapter 17, it talks about two people standing beside Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses representing the righteous dead, and Elijah rep representing we that are alive and remain. So anyway, they went into the plains of Moab, and when they came back, it says, Elisha slapped that river and said, where is the God of Elijah? And he came into that place. He came back in, into the promises land and conquered a nation. Right? Jesus went into that same wilderness and came back and conquered the world. And that's what I want to look at today. I, I think we probably, we don't need to read any of this, or, or do we? Yeah, remember the Jordan, this is where Jesus was baptized. And this is, this is where the temptation of Jesus is going to take place too in the wilderness. Let's, uh, yeah, let's just go over there. So again, they went into the wilderness. They came back out of the wilderness and over Jordan, and then the miracle started to happen. I said the miracles started to happen. And Elisha couldn't produce one. But he said, if I can just see, if I can just, Elijah said, if you can just see me when I rise, if you can just see the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and it become a reality to you. If you can see a piece of meat hanging on a tree for you, married beyond human recognition, all of a sudden any poor self-worth will have to leave you because he would have done it. My Bible says he'd have done it if you were the only one. He'd have laid down his life. He laid down his life for you. So how could you ever question, does he like me? Does he love me? Pardon the perspiration, it's medication. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm well medicated these days. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, but let's go to Matthew's gospel. How about that? 
in chapter 4, verse 1. Because real life begins at the end of your comfort zone. As long as you're comfortable, you'll never experience real life. Real life begins when you get out of your comfort zone. Real life begins when you get up and run around this church and embarrass yourself. Because my Bible says rejoice in the Lord always, but we say, no, I think I'll do it tomorrow because people are watching me today. Faith, it has to be an act of faith. If you feel like rejoicing, there's no faith involved in it. You got to do what you, you got to get beyond feelings. Anyway, real life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Matthew 4, verse 1. Jesus was led up into the same wilderness, the same place where Elisha and Elijah went, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And there he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry, I bet. And when the tempter came unto him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Now here, but know this, that he went into the wilderness not for himself. He had to go into that wilderness to redeem Adam. Adam denied, denied the Lord for, on three points, and here Jesus is going to fix Adam right here. So if you wonder if Adam's going to be in heaven, I, I suspect that he is. A, I really think, too, that when we talk about, when we read Mark chapter 2, when we read about the four friends that brought, brought the, you know, the man to Jesus and lowered him down through the roof, that that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John bringing Adam to the... Those are just my thoughts. You can, you don't have to accept them, but you have to accept the word. The word is real. Amen. And when the, when the tempter came, if you, if you, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. So the first test was provision. Are you in this for the Lord, or are you in this for the lust of the flesh? I'm here in church because what can you do for me, God? Somewhere along the line, we all come that way. Somewhere along the line, we come as consumers. But God's goal in making you a disciple is so that you can become a producer. So that you're actually coming in here more concerned about what somebody else is dealing with than your own self. How many in here are not dealing with anything right now? There are people in here right now that are hurting and smiling. Why don't you find out what they're hurting about and pray with them? You know, yeah, but I'm hurting too. Well, the best, it's like when they taught us in Narcotics Anonymous, if you want to keep something, give it away. Go find somebody that's in worse shape than you and help them. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time I went to pick up this guy for AA, Cyril, and... Uh, I was taking him to a meeting one way or the other. When I got there, his room smelled like aftershave lotion. There were empty brute bottles laying all over the place, man. He was tanked up on aftershave. <laughs> I picked him up. At that time, I was able to do it. I put him over my shoulder. I said, you're going to church, buddy. <laughs> I took him to the meeting. I think it was a Morris Shirello meeting. Because Morris Shirello, and I set him on the front row. By the time the meeting was over, he was sober and saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. But it wasn't it? He sure smelled good, but he didn't look good. <laughs> yeah. What addiction can do to a person? We got a guy living in our building, and every morning I see him out there sitting on the curb drinking his coffee and having a cigarette. I'm thinking, who wants to sit on the curb on a morning like this and have a cigarette? But it's got such a hook on him. We're praying for him that just God will set him free, God. You set us free. Touch this guy. Get a hold of him, Lord Jesus. Let him know that there's hope beyond this. Yeah. But anyway, so he said, he said, turn these stones into bread. And that's the provision. Well, you use the anointing to make your provision. No. Oh, we have been tempted in that. We have been tempted with huge amounts of money to, to bow down. But with me, it wasn't a problem. You know, I've had problems in areas, but money was not it. I, I, didn't, I, could care, I could care less. I could go live in a shack somewhere, or I could live in a nice home somewhere, and neither one of them impressed me. They just don't. I remember the time I was visiting Marlon, the favorite Marlon and Chris, who were staying at their house for a few days, and, and this is not judging him because he's been working really hard for 50 years and wrote so many songs that the royalties are coming in. But he had a Bentley in the garage. And you got to go through the garage to go into the deck or into the pool area. He walked me out there three times. I walked right, right past that Bentley and never even noticed it. Never even noticed it. Why? Because it's just another car, right? <laughs> it's it's kind of like, like, like the Big Bang belief. You ever hear of the Big Bang belief? My brother believed in the Big Bang, and I said, why don't we just get some dynamite and blow up this garden you planted here? Better still, I said, let's go to the junkyard, and we'll go there every day, and we'll throw a stick of dynamite in the junkyard, and we'll keep going every day until a Mercedes-Benz appears. No, but that's how stupid that is. Any designer knows that you can't have a design without a designer. The chair you're sitting in, somebody had to think about it. Dan, what kind of foam can we put in there that Pastor Gary can preach for two hours without people getting uncomfortable? <laughs> anyway, that, how did I get off on that? Somebody help me. I've lost my way. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth. But, but that shows you something too, doesn't it? You feed your physical body three times a day, or four or five or six, <laughs> depending on the mood you're in. If you're hurting, you'll eat maybe seven or eight times. <laughs> because it's comfort. Anyway, he said, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus said in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Eat me, eat my word. My word is my, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's talking about eating his word. He's talking about if you can feed your physical self three times a day, you can have 20-20 vision by taking 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening just, just to get you started, right? Instead of going all week long and saying, oh, dear God, where did I leave that Bible now? Of course, now, that, now it's not so much because we use tablets and smartphones, smartphones that made everybody dumb, by the way, but... That's, that's what we kind of, we look to those things instead of the paper. 
I do it too all the time, so I'm not condemning anybody that uses a tablet or a phone. Matter of fact, I do a lot of my reading on there because I have different translations. But my point is, what's your point, Pastor? Get in the Word, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then he takes him up into the holy city. And he, and he says unto him, set yourself on the pinnacle of the temple. And if you're the son of God, cast yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, keeping you in all of your hands, lest, they dash, lest you dash your foot against the stone. He's quoting Psalm 91, right? Yeah. Jesus said, it is written, you'll not tempt the Lord your God. Well, how far will I go to protect myself? How will I act when I feel threatened? Will I compromise? Will I take my stand anyway? The cool thing about getting to a place where you don't need anything, you don't need a title, you don't need a position, you're just, uh, you're just who are you? I'm a born-again believer. What position do you have? That's my position. I don't need to be anything. I don't need to be anybody. If I need to be somebody, then it shows my insecurity. If I got to call myself doctor of divinity, then obviously I'm lacking something. I'm not making fun of these people, but I'm just saying, if you've got to call yourself those things, then maybe you need to find out who you really are. Complete in him who's at the head of all principality and power, might and dominion. I've got friends, Facebook friends in Africa, that when they text me, they call me bishop. I don't even know what a bishop is. I think he's a Sunday school teacher or something, but I'm not sure. Bishop Gary, help me, God. Help me just to be me. This is why I love God, because he knows me and he loves me anyway. I don't have to be anybody for him. I don't have to do anything to impress him. You don't have to do a thing to impress him. So he said, how far, you will, how far will you go to protect yourself when you feel threatened? That's what the question was. And Jesus said, it is written, you'll not tempt or test or try the Lord your God. Again, again the devil took him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. I want to show you something, son. You can skip the cross, skip the pain. All you got to do is bow down to me right now. What will you do when you have the advantage? What will you compromise to gain authority over other people? That was the temptation that Adam had. And we know how he failed miserably. You know, it's too bad that Eve got all the blame, but it was really the one that committed high treason was Adam because he was already created in the image and likeness of God, and he believed a lie. By the way, don't feel bad for him if you're believing a lie. You're created in the image and likeness of God yourself, and if you see yourself as any less than that, you're buying Satan's lie. You're buying, don't buy Satan's lie. Know that greater is he that is in you than he that's in your circumstances, and the greater one's rising up in you now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyway, verse 11 says the devil left him for a season. Now we can go to Mark's gospel, chapter 1. See the same, 
every the reason why you have three or four gospels telling you the same story is because there's something to glean from each one. A little bit, a, a different point, not a different point of view, but adding to the picture about that. Verse 9 of chapter 1 of Mark. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee to be baptized of John in Jordan. Why? Because he, why did he get water baptized? So that he would identify completely with you, so that you could completely identify with him. That's why he didn't, he didn't need to be baptized. He, he had no sin. He, he had no sin in him at all. But he said, I'm going to show you how you can hook up with me that I'm the firstborn among many. People have a struggle with that too. The firstborn among many brethren. Your family. That's the best title you can put on yourself. It's not doctor this or bishop that. It's, I'm family, man. I'm a family man. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I got family in heaven, I got family on earth, and the family in heaven's really close by. They're right there. Right there. I can't see them. Well, by faith you can. You can't see this room full of angels either. A third of them fell and rebelled against God, but two thirds of them didn't. So where are they right now? It's crowded in here. <laughs> what are they here for? My Bible says in Hebrews 1.14 that they came to minister unto the heirs of salvation. They're here to do your bidding. They're here to serve you. And most of them are bored. Because no, no, but no, but Psalm 103 and verse 20 says they hearken unto the voice of God's word. They don't hearken unto the book. They hearken unto you speaking out the word. The more you speak out the word of God, the more activated they are in your life. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, total. Jesus came from Nazareth. He was baptized in Jordan. And then straight away, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And again, I like to point out it wasn't big bird. It was like a dove. It was in bodily form like a dove, I think Luke's gospel says came down in bodily form like a dove. The dove represents the Holy Ghost, obviously from Noah's day, right? Which brings me to another thing that we've neglected to tell you last time, maybe we did. In, in Genesis 6, 3, uh, God told Noah, my spirit will not always strive with man. The number of his days are 120 years. 120 years later, the flood hit. But then, if you take 120 jubilee years, you get to 6,000 years which is where we are right now. Or you can get the 120 in the upper room too. Like this, it's not, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. And the thing that has been is the thing that will be, if you can find it in the Old Testament, look for it to repeat itself in the New Testament. I'm looking for my youth being renewed like an eagle. I don't know about you. I'm thinking if Abraham got married again when he was 125, I'm not looking for a wife, Lord, but I'll go for the longevity. But don't you think that if, if this really is a legal document, would you say that it is? Yes. The first covenant, second covenant, it's a legal document. Then if I can find a precedent for it in here, if I can find what he did for Abraham in here and hook it up with Galatians 3.29, any man being Christ, he's Abraham's seed 
and heirs of the same promise. If I can hook it up with Genesis 12, 3, where the Bible says, I blessed you so that you can be a blessing to the nations, then I can be a blessing to the nations. I can put my faith on that right now. And how, and if I put, and I'm not talking about head, head knowledge or, I'm, see, knowledge is, is good, but revelation knowledge is what you need. It's revelation, revelation knowledge that causes a revolution. When these things become revealed to you, no one can take them away from you. Come on, the man's 100 years old. I'm going to have a son. Are you kidding me? I'm going to have a son. Are you kidding me? I'm going to have a son. I'm going to have a son. I'm going to have an heir. He didn't know it was Jesus. You can have what you say. Don't say what you have. If you can have what you say, stop saying what you have. Call the things that be not as though they were. Anyway, uh, so there came a voice saying, this is Marie LeBlanc, my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. By the way, that Spurge and Bobby you gave me is awesome. Anyway, just a side note. <laughs> that was a way of saying thank you. <laughs> it wasn't a hint to get something else. It was just saying thank you. <laughs> this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now read the next verse. And he immediately, in the King James, it says, the spirit drove him into the wilderness. It wasn't in a vehicle. Drove, it's the word ekbalo that we find for casting out. Ek is exodus or out, and balo is how you throw a ball. It's like I'm throwing, I'm go, he got thrown into the wilderness. Do you think he might do that to you too? I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I kind of hang around, I hang around, um, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 8, cast down but not out, those kind of verses that really are in faith. They're faith verses, but we like to think that not, because we're in faith, nothing bad will happen. Those things happen so that these light afflictions, which are but for a moment, are nothing compared to the glory. And I don't ever mean to imply that God causes bad things to happen. I know that he doesn't. Bad things ha He said, in everything give thanks, not for everything. Drove him into the wilderness. It's a, this is a fierce thing that happens here. But again, he went for Adam. He had to go there to redeem Adam. How far would he go to redeem you? Jesus. Uh, okay, let's go to Luke chapter 4. We'll... Oh, I'm still in daylight saving time on this watch. Mm. <laughs> I've been going a long time according to this. <laughs> Oops. We're circling the airport right now, okay? So, yeah. Again, you get the three love tests here, but we're not going to get into that. How about verse 1? Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So he was full of the Holy Ghost. But now we need to go to where we are coming back out of this over in verse 12. No, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He went full of the Spirit, but after he, was, after he passed those tests, 
He came in the power of the Spirit. After you pass these tests, after you pass these tests, after you pass these tests, you'll come in the power of the Spirit. What is the test? Believe in God when everything seems to go into hell in a handbasket. Believe in God when everything around you sucks. You know, appointments and disappointments. I know, you know, I, I was, I, Nancy and I were talking about Rick and Ann Wood yesterday. I was thinking, dear God, those people are the toughest people I've ever met in my life. No, they refuse to quit. Take me in the hospital and cut off my toe. I'm still going to hop at the church. <laughs> like, you, know, you know, no, sometimes when I think I got problems, dear God Almighty, have mercy on us all. Thank you, Lord. Help us to see those around us that are champions for Christ. Help us to see the Jim and Linda Houghtons and people like that that are just out there on the front lines all the time and so quiet we'd never know. You know, they're not ever called. Why don't they call the peer team? I said, Nancy always saying, why don't they call the peer team? I said, I said that'd be a miracle if they'd call anybody. So, And that's not a judgment. That's just, just the way these people roll. Verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee, and there went out a fame about him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in the synagogues, and they glorified him. When he came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, he went into the synagogue, as he always did. Say, so he always went to church. He always went to church. <laughs> Follow him as he said, to, to mimic him, to mime him. He went to church always. It says he always did this on the Sabbath. When Jesus came up to the front to read the scriptures, he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found where it was written. And you can unroll the scroll and find out where it's written about you too. But you have to go and find it. And then you have to do what he did. You have, you have to speak. He's, here's, here's an example of how you overcome. He had just come through all of that, and now he's in church. And uh, he says, I, he found the place where it was written. One translation says, written of him, which is a better translation. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me for hope for the poor, healing for the brokenhearted, new eyes for the blind, to preach to the prisoners. You are set free. I have come to share the message of Jubilee with you. Now see, this is, and you know, sometimes it says it's the acceptable year of the Lord. Go back to Leviticus 25 and find out what Jubilee is all about. You find out what Jubilee is all about. You find out what, what is in it for you. They had 49 years and at the 50th year, the Jubilee year, all the debts were canceled. Everything was done. Yep. He said, I came to share the message of Jubilee for the time of God's greatest steps acceptance has begun. And after he read this, he rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant and sat down. Everyone stared at Jesus, wondering what he was about to say. Then he said, today, I, I can say it today too, today, Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, deliverance to the captives, recovering the sight to the blind, set liberty to the bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So that today, those words are fulfilled in your life. Why? Because Gary didn't speak Gary's words. Gary spoke Jesus' words. And if they were fulfilled when he said it, they're fulfilled when I say it in 2022 as well. 
But, you, but all you got to do now is receive it. You know, you can receive all of the freedom that you need right now. Knowing that it's not your works, it's not works of righteousness which you have done. It's not, you can't earn, you can't earn anything from God. And listen, you can't earn one thing from God. You accept a gift, you don't earn a gift. If you had to earn it, it wouldn't be a gift. Everyone stared at Jesus, wondering what he was about to say. Then he said, today these scriptures came true. These scriptures came true in front of you in 2022. These scriptures came true in front of you in 2022. If you just receive it, what if I don't see a change? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we walk by faith and not by sight. The feelings will catch up with things. The feelings will come. Sometimes you got to walk a year trying to get something going, or two years is sometimes longer than that, but you're not going anywhere. So what's the difference how long it took? Especially here's the deal. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Whatever you're believing God for, receive it right now, and then don't let the thief come and say, it doesn't belong to you. That's what he did to Adam. That's what he did to Eve. Are you sure that God said that about you? Are you sure that he provided everything for you? Begin to question God. Don't ever, listen, don't ever question his integrity. Again, Numbers 23, 19, I'm not a man that I should lie. Or the son of a man that I should repent. I have spoken a blessing over you. And he said, I will never change my mind. Whether you receive it or not. So, so then it's always up to me. Fortunately or unfortunately, sometimes. Today, these scriptures came true. The cotton, trans, 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 the cotton Patch translation says it this way. The Lord's Spirit is on me. He has ordained me to break the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the oppressed, new sight for the blind, to help those that have been grievously insulted to find dignity. I like that. To help those that have been grievously insulted to find dignity and to proclaim the Lord's new era. This day, this scripture has become a reality in your presence. This day, this scripture has become a reality. Again, don't look at me. Look at what we just read. That's his word. And he said, this day, this scripture has become a reality. If Jesus was standing there himself, he would just say, well, is there somebody else up there I could ask? Well, they did that. They said, oh, yeah, we know, we know your father, your mother. We know you're from Nazareth. Like, who are you? Don't ever question the integrity of God. You know, if you want to insult somebody, tell them you don't believe what they're saying. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.